Hey, hey, welcome to a new episode of Just Another Black Girl on the MIC, Janae Renee. I know, I know, I know, I know. It's been a minute since the last episode. I've seen your comments. I've gotten your DMs. I'm so sorry. I apologize. (laughs) It's been a lot going on with everyone, I'm sure. We're still in the midst of this pandemic that does not seem to be going anywhere anytime soon. We've all been dealing with the shenanigans and the nonsense with this with the craziest election ever. So thankful that that is over. Biden Harris 2020. Okay. <laughs> and then just on a personal note, it it was a lot going on with me and it just kind of all came crushing or it felt like it all came rushing in at the same time with the loss of a very, very close friend. So I had to take a moment, take a step back and just kind of break, take a break. I went home to St. Louis, saw family and friends. Yes, I did social distance, but the trip gave me a chance to regroup. So I'm back in LA feeling refreshed and it's time to get back to business. Indeed. Although I was taking a break, I, you know, if you're like me, you're always working. So I was taking mental notes on different show topics that I wanted to do once I started the podcast back up. And of course, October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. And I know, I knew I wanted to do a show on breast cancer and how it affects black women. And so when I came across her post on Instagram, I had to have today's guest on the show, and I'm so happy that we could make it happen. And so let's get into it. She's a media personality, television host, a carpenter, and the best job ever, a mom. Please welcome to the show, Miss Ananda Lewis. Hey! How are you? Good, good morning, Janae. I'm really good. How are you doing this morning? I'm pretty good. Thank you for coming on the show. Absolutely. It's, uh, you know, my pleasure. Got to get the word out. Exactly. Okay, now before we get into that, I just want to ask you, how are you feeling after the election? Oh, my God, girl. <laughs> I literally sat up there and cried. If you look at my um, Instagram, I'm literally in tears. And, you know, I, I hesitate to post stuff like that, like most people do. Like, mm-hmm. we're kind of um, taught in a certain way societally to not show a lot of emotion or to not be as human as we are, you right. know, but I don't care. I really think that needs to start to shift. And the way we shift it is simply by doing it. And mm-hmm. so I just wanted to show it. I was like, listen, I know all of y'all feel like me. It's, you know, it, it's not so much that everything's going to change overnight. It's not. We understand the kind of country we live in. We have a lot of work to do. There's a long road ahead of us, but the beginning, you know, the beginning of change is so important. The, the symbolic shift away from the racism and the indifference Mm -hmm. and the callousness of the former president. I'm going to use that already because (laughs) I know it's not January, but he's former in my mind. Exactly. All of that, all of that. I felt unsafe as a black woman Mm -hmm. and as a mother of a black son and the his narrative and his ideology we saw it just infect so many or at least show us that there were so many other people out here in this country that felt like him i mean you can see it in the election results half the country almost voted for him and so that shows us how much work we have to do but it also is the reason why i was so relieved we cannot let someone like that be in control of all all of our lives he doesn't care about all of us right we need somebody who at least says you know at least says does that they do care about all of us and now they got to show it 
Exactly. And I think you, you mentioned going online and just being open and vulnerable about, about this. I think everyone was pretty much on that same page because I woke up to my mom calling me screaming and pretty much in tears. It was her birth. It was her birthday. So she was like, this is the birth, the best birthday gift ever. But I think everyone was just emotional and it was just kind of like a sigh of relief. Like finally now we can breathe and we can go for a better future. So I think everyone was just pretty much emotional all day Saturday. And, and any victory really does that to you. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But this was such a huge victory. And the release of the weight that we'd all been living mm-hmm. under, I think, was what brought that on. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Okay, so we're going to get into it because that you, 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 you spoke about being vulnerable in this situation. Well, last month um, was Breast Cancer Awareness Month, and you posted to Instagram about your journey dealing with um, stage three breast cancer. Why did you feel the need to go public? Because we had just actually found out, you know, not long before that about uh, Chadwick Boseman, who kept his battle a secret. What made you decide to come out and share your journey? Interestingly enough, some of how we learned about Chadwick and what came out kind of in the aftermath of losing him had a little bit to do with it. I, I felt like his desire to stay private I completely respect and absolutely understood I mean I stayed private for two years almost Mm -hmm. Uh, and so I I understood that and at the same time you know when you think of our people and what we uh, face and have always faced but if we could just talk about right now we are um, the the number one uh, group of women who die from breast cancer right we die at way higher rates than anybody else Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's true for prostate cancer as well, but I do know what's true is that we don't get served the same way by this healthcare system. We also have a different level of trust for this healthcare system for valid reasons, and we don't go for the same help. Like we ourselves don't go seek um, help in the same way that other people do, whether it's because we don't feel like it's available to us, whether it's a financial consideration, there are all kinds of reasons that we don't. But when when one of us is going through something this um kind of intense or drastic, it, it feels like we need to do our part to help the rest of us, right? Like, right. So for me, I felt like um, Chadwick's story would have been such a blessing to so many black men in terms of going to get tested, in terms of doing that, um, uh, I guess for prostate cancer, it must be the, the scope that they put up your, you know, anus, which yes, is mm-hmm. uncomfortable. Yes, is when you look at the kind of line of, of, of uh, masculinity you know that that may cross for some people um needing to push through that and take care of yourself and when i looked at my situation knowing uh for a fact that i could have found the tumor in my breast a lot earlier had i not been against mammograms and knowing that there are other women like me who are against them for the same reasons which are valid reasons but not valid enough to keep you from getting them i just felt a huge weight of of I guess, responsibility. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I love, I love my people. I love women. I love men. I love human beings, but especially human beings who look like me. Exactly. Like everybody is, you know, (laughs) that's a very natural human way of being. And, and I just wanted to be of some service. Look, I got to go through it anyway. Mm -hmm. I'm fighting hard to save my life and not let that mistake um, be, you know, what takes me out. But I, in the midst of that, I felt like 
I could be of some service and help to someone else so they could avoid having to be here because it's a simple it's a simple fix. Now, a mammogram will not prevent you from getting breast cancer, duh, right? But exactly. it will help you find it early enough that the, the fix will be um, a lot more simple to a certain extent, you know, yeah. depending on what you choose. Exactly. And I was reading an article in the, uh, from the CDC and they basically were saying black women, we have a lower rate of getting breast cancer, but a higher rate of dying from it. Because and one we don't of, go find out. Right? Yeah. And one of, right. And one of the reasons was because um, it's usually found in an earlier stage in white women. A later stage. Right. Exactly. Um, and right. You, so you mentioned that you refused mammograms in the beginning. Why was that? Uh-huh. Um, I believed and, and still believe that uh, the radiation you're exposed to during mammograms can have negative uh, impacts on your health. I, there are studies that back that up. There's, you know, there's a truth that exists that radiation can cause cancer in a mm-hmm. body. So it's interesting. With all the information available to us, it really is uh, on us to decide uh, how to interpret and how to use in our own lives all of that information, right? So my big mistake was using the information of radiation can cause cancer. Yeah. Okay. That's true. And taking that and then turning it into, I will not get mammograms because I don't want radiation exposure. And the piece that I missed and the reason I wanted to share this because I want women who think like me to not miss this piece for themselves is that that little bit of radiation will prevent you from a lot more radiation down the road if there is a problem. It's preventative and it's early detection. Mm. And to be able to maximize the benefit of that, you do have to subject yourself to a little radiation. What I also didn't know is that there are ways to get your body to use its natural pathways of getting radiation out of the body because we're exposed to radiation, I mean, even by the sun. You know, there's radiation on the planet. So our bodies are designed to deal with uh, small levels of it, and we have systems in our body, structures in our body uh, that that can deal with that. So there's things we can do. There's things we can eat. There's things that can happen to help get some of that radiation out even after you're exposed to it. But it is not a good enough reason to not get a mammogram. And that's, you know, uh, one of the other things I did wrong was ignoring early signs because I had, uh, uh, what do you call it, discharge coming out of my breast. My right breast is Mm -hmm. where my, this cancer has started. So I had discharge coming out and kind of because I breastfed for three years because I dealt with uh, mastitis before and, and getting breast milk stuck in ducts where it's very painful and you have to like push it out, you know, manually massage it out. And I dealt with that before. So it wasn't a shock to me to see discharge coming out of my breast. I wasn't alarmed by it. Uh, and so I, I dismissed it a bit, you know. And so the other mistake I made was not taking the symptoms seriously. And a lot of us do that. Right. We are so busy. I was so busy as a mom, you know, and and. And now my motivation partially is, God, I want to be here to finish raising my child. Absolutely. But part of the reason I didn't take good care of myself is because I was busy raising my child, right? <laughs> he took all the irony, my attention. Right. And that's a great choice. And we have to remember to prioritize ourselves. If we don't take care of the only bodies we get, we aren't going to be here to love on these babies we love so much mm-hmm. that we're sacrificing so much for. And so there's a balance that needs to be struck. And that's what I want women to hear. You have to find a balance between getting a little radiation exposure for the long-term payoff of knowing what's going on in your body. 
you have to strike a balance in being the awesome mom you are and want to be and taking care of yourself first because right. if you're not if you're not taking care of yourself you you won't be here as long as you want to be for them so that balance has been oh girl I've learned it the hard way but I really feel like other women don't have to learn it the hard way let I'm going through it so let me go through it and just learn <laughs> from this exactly right? and we, get your mammograms. we definitely thank you for sharing the information and speaking of information is so much out there that it kind of just becomes overwhelming at times. Yeah. Like I was reading a few articles just kind of getting in preparation for the interview and it's like the National Comprehensive Cancer Network recommends getting mammograms at 40 and then you have the American Cancer Society that says 45 and then the United right. States Preventative Services <laughs> Task Force says 50. So it's kind of like, well, you know, when do I go get it done? Um, yeah, and then you have people like I have a, a lot of that too. Yeah, I have a friend who's actually, but her she's been getting it since she was thirty, but her mom passed away of breast uh -huh. cancer, so you know she's had to start earlier. So it's so much information out there, and you do have to do your own research and figure out, you know, what's the best thing for you. Yes. Um, and you also have to figure out what's covered. Um, so that too, yeah, that's really layers important. Layers of problems, right? I lost my insurance for a little bit. So my sister, who's a physician, was on me about getting mammograms for the years that I said no. When I finally found the, the lump, uh, the tumor, you know, and had the discharge, she was like, you have to go. Like, mm -hmm. I'm going to come drag you by the neck, mm -hmm. you know. She was threatening me. And at that point, I had lost my insurance because of other life stuff going on. And it was a temporary loss, but it was in that window where I would have gone because I was like, okay, there's a reason to be concerned but then I couldn't go get it done and covered by my insurance so like you just said you have to know your family history your friend whose mom had passed she has a family history I had a family history because my mom had breast cancer and and she was part of the reason I was like yeah I'm not getting mammograms she did exactly what she was told to do and it still happened mm -hmm. right but that's the wrong thinking it didn't happen because she was told but she um did what she was told to do I mean it, it could have but had she not been doing it she wouldn't have found it so you know it, it goes both ways and so you have to know your family history and be aware of your body and then you have to understand what your insurance covers and figure out how you can cover it if your insurance won't exactly. there's a whole nother level of what we need to deal with with these insurance companies and what they will and will not cover in terms of necessary um, treatments even that I'm learning now that I'm in treatment phase but also on the mammogram side, on the early detection side, I think they're starting to open up and do things a little differently because they see the benefit, but it's not moving fast enough. Right. And for as much money as we pay for insurance, they are not covering enough. You period. know what? They're that not. is a really good topic and I need to do an episode on this. I actually had a conversation with an OBGYN a few weeks ago because I just learned that they are now recommending you get, you know, your woman's exam every two years. And so for oh, me, yeah. I was like, but you know, what a is, lot can happen in a year. Exactly, exactly. And <laughs> so they were like, well, if you, you know, of course, if you feel anything or any symptoms, then come in. And I said, well, we all know that there is a history that, you know, you don't feel anything until it's too late. Right, especially with ovarian cancer. Exactly. So why would you right take it? Why would they? ovarian cancer who you, didn't feel a thing, and it was everywhere by the time they found it. Exactly. So why would you change it from every year to every two years? That just didn't make any sense to me. And they were pretty much saying, um, "Well, you know, we have better equipment." And so I said, "Well, if I continue to come every year, what's going to happen?" And they were like, "Well, you have to pay for it out of pocket." Oh my gosh! See, exactly. That's negligent so, to me. That is negligent. 
I'm like, what if that you makes... have a family history of ovarian cancer? Exactly. Our insurance policies should be as specialized as our medicine needs to be. And that mm-hmm. means that if you have a family history, you need to be qualified to get that stuff done more often mm-hmm. because you're someone that needs to be watched. Maybe someone who doesn't, doesn't need to be watched that much. That's fine. But it has to be individually based on that person's That person, exactly. Exactly. Not some umbrella. And this is why I didn't go the conventional route for my treatment. I sat with the oncologist, one of the best in the city. I respect and value what, what he does. And I sat there with him and he said, this is the kind of chemo we do. This is what you need. This is the route you have to take. Uh, you know, this many rounds, this much, blah, blah, blah. And I said, so what about all these other chemos? Like, what if, what if there's something else? And he said, no, no, this is the umbrella that we use. This is what works. Our studies show that these many people and this much, yada, yada, all the statistics, mm-hmm. right? And and then I said, okay, so this is the only one you do, right? Okay, so what if I don't do anything? If I don't do anything, by the time I sat and spoke to him, I'd already started doing what I felt like. Or what I felt like for me was the most important initial thing was, was changing everything that I put in my mouth and cleaning my body out, right? This is an accumulative uh, disease. It's a chronic and accumulative disease, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. So I had accumulated enough toxins that my body needed to store them or these de- these cells that wouldn't die needed to be sequestered and so it created a tumor to encapsulate them. It's a very smart thing your body does when it creates a tumor. It's trying to protect itself. Its goal is survival, right? Your body right. is designed to heal itself and stay alive as long as possible. That's why it heals itself. Mm-hmm. So I understood those things going in and, and those were my understandings, right? So mm-hmm. When I spoke to him, I already knew I was doing stuff, but I, I said as if I wasn't, what, what, what happens if I don't do anything? How long do I have? He says, you have about, you know, maybe three years at the most at the wow. rate it's moving at the blah, 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 if you don't do anything, but you need to start immediately. You need, I want to see you within these next three weeks, either be started with chemo, either have the mastectomy or radiation. Like we need to do something soon. And then I said, so what does food have to do with this? How, how have I been eating wrong and how has it impacted this start of this? And even if I decide to do what you're telling me to do, like, how do I need to eat through these processes? And he says, Oh, food has nothing to do with this. Oh, no, I said, I know uh, that it's not true. You and I are speaking completely different languages. We aren't even in the same book on the same chapter. We can't, we are nowhere near, we can't even have, I can't have a conversation with somebody who does not fundamentally understand the impact of food on a body. That right. is our fuel. Right. That's like telling me it's okay for me to ride around in my truck that's an unle- unleaded tank and put diesel fuel in it and expect nothing to happen. It's ridiculous to mm-hmm. me. So it, it just was a complete disconnect and caused me never to go back. I was like, no, I need to find a team of people who at least fundamentally think like me, who exactly. want to address this in a way that I'm comfortable with, because this is my body. And whatever I choose, I'm going to live with the consequences of that. Mm-hmm. And I have to be okay with that. And you, so you're speaking of an alternative way of dealing with this. Can you give us like an, um, a few examples of the things that you've had to do? Uh, yeah. So like I said in the beginning, the first thing I did, and this was literally the morning after um, I was on the phone with the doctor and she told me, yeah, we found cancer cells in your breast and we need to take these next steps. That next morning, I was juicing. I was um, 
I was completely raw vegan. Well, for the first 30 days, it was just juicing. And I did a, a full body 30 day cleanse, really intense that cleaned out, you know, my liver and my kidneys. And I started rebounding, which is a little mini trampoline. You can just sit in your house. You know, that's a, a really effective way to start to get your lymphatic system to start to move. So your lymphatic system is, it's basically like the sewage system of your body. We all know about our blood and our heart, right? Mm -hmm. That's one of the fluids, the blood lymphatic fluid or lymph fluid is the other fluid in our body. Um, and so the heart pumps the, the blood and nourishes the cells and does all the stuff we learned in science class or wherever we learned it that it does. The lymph system takes all the waste from all those processes out and makes sure it gets out of your body. So it's connected uh, to the other, uh, ex what do they call it, excriminatory, anyway, your bowels and your kidneys. It's connected to the other systems that excrete toxins, okay. and the hard materials we know well, right? Mm -hmm. We know we're supposed to have movements every day and we know we're supposed to urinate. Okay. So, but the, the lymphatic system cleans all the kind of meta, um, my, microscopic, meta, uh, not metabolic, but molecular waste out of your system. And so moving your lymph system is important because it does have its own pumps, but your body is kind of the main pump. If you're not exercising, if you're not moving, if you're not doing the kind of basic things like our ancestors would do, walking where they went, um, walking for their food, you know, we're real sedentary these days and it's taking a toll on our bodies. We know that for our overall health, but for our, our cellular health, it's incredibly, uh, incredibly important too. So I started moving my lymph system uh, every day. I started doing hot and cold showers. You know, I wanted to attack on the things that I could do myself. I didn't want to wait around to right. find the right stuff to have to go somewhere. I knew there were things that I could do myself, right? The power that I had over this body was very real to me, always has been. So I started doing the hot, cold showers you do about, um, 30 seconds uh, or actually three minutes of as hot as you can stand and then you turn it to as cold as you can stand for 30 seconds and then that starts to to uh, activate your immune system and wake it up uh, so that your killer t cells mm. and all the naturally occurring killer cells in your body all the army that comes in and attacks things can start to identify what's going on a little better and wake up it boosts your immune system so i was doing uh, i was doing everything and then as i started doing more research into what existed you know outside of what i had control over in my home i did hyperbarics uh, along with high dose vitamin c ivs i was doing up to 100 gram doses of vitamin c ivs every ivs every single day i would be in there for like you know four hours and i would go and do the hyperbarics for an hour and a half and i mean it, what i'm what i'm learning is that if you don't do the little bit of work that it takes to maintain good health you're gonna have to stop your life and do a lot of work and do to a get lot your more health back. exactly right either way you have to invest time into taking care of this brilliant machine that you get to live in we call the human body mm -hmm. it is amazing and it's capable of so much more than we give it credit for most of the time it malfunctions because we're doing the wrong thing we're yeah. eating wrong fundamentally we're yeah. not moving enough we're allowing too much emotional stress to stay in our lives that means surrounding ourselves with the wrong people and the wrong energy we're we're being the wrong energy in terms of how we're treating people and interfacing with life you know i mean there are a lot of different levels of why something like cancer or even i think ms parkinson's all the chronic illnesses that's a wearing away of of something in your body right mm -hmm. and it happens over a long period of time so the other thing i knew when i went in to meet with all these different doctors initially that i met with was that this tumor didn't pop up overnight it didn't happen the the, the day before i got to the doctor's office it had been forming and growing mm -hmm. from microscopic levels for years mm -hmm. years literally right probably mm -hmm. through when i was pregnant or right after and so there was this hormonal uh component because my this cancer is erpr positive which means hormones um 
cause it to grow more, right? They influence it. And so when you're pregnant, a lot of hormone activity, right? And so that could have been, I don't know for sure, but when I look at all the research I've done and all the testing I've done subsequently, and I go back, I say, okay, well, when did this surge of hormones really start? I was on birth control at a, at a kind of young age, you know, mm-hmm. in my in my teen, yes. in my teen years. That can have an impact on how your hormones act. So when you look at the whole landscape, for me, when I look at it, I go, there's no reason for me to just poison potentially to death my body to handle this. This started as a process. It can be resolved in a process as well. And that's what I fundamentally believe. I know other people don't believe that. I know there's an entire industry that's based on not believing that. <laughs> right. But this is a very individualized journey that when you go on it and you, you, you start on it, you have to decide for yourself and only for you what works and what's right and what you're willing to do. I feel like I've worked much harder doing it this way than I would have if I had just gone and done what they told me to do in the beginning. It has been grueling. I have subjected myself to things that I never would have had to have done then, but I get to keep my body intact. Mm-hmm. I get to stay in control of my the resources of my body. I get to keep my immune system functioning and doing its job for me and strengthening that. And for me, the quality of life was what my focus was. We're not going to live forever anyhow. I'm not here for, you know, I, I honestly don't want to live to be a hundred and something. I, I understand people who do, but I took care of my grandmother for the last few years of her life. She lived to 86. And one of the things she told me almost every day toward the end was don't get old. Use your life as fully as you can until you your body gives out and be out like don't try to sit here forever that's not what it's about you know we're here to have an experience live a life love learn all the things whatever you believe you're here to do and then it's over no matter what you do exactly you're not getting away from that right so i want to have the most vibrant best life possible for the for however long i can keep that going and when i can't do that anymore it's time for me to go Mm -hmm. wow And I completely agree when you say that you have to pick the best option for you. You know, you read all of this stuff, you see that this person is doing this and all of that, but it really comes down to what works best for you, your mind, your body, and yourself. So I completely agree with you on that. Okay. And it's important what you said, all three of those things, your mind, your body, and your soul. Sometimes, you know, when we go to conventional, they're just looking at our bodies. Exactly. And and your body isn't all you are. It's the least of what you are. Mm -hmm. And so how much help can you give yourself focusing on your spirit and your mind? I think the mind is where the body and the spirit connect. That's like the middle ground to me. It's kind of the, the interpret, the, uh, I don't know, the, the, interpretation between the two like the communication between the two that's kind of how it feels to me I don't have any evidence of that Mm -hmm. except my own experience but you know our souls our spirits our divine spark what we are before we get to inhabit these bodies is truly our nature and it's truly what we end up leaving with right that's what continues Uh, our light our energy continues and so I had to dig deep in, in that area too and really determine what kind of what kind of experience I wanted to have based on who I know I am and what I know I come from mm-hmm. and who I know I come from and and the strength that 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 gives me the power and authority over this body that that gives me it's not lost on me and I think a lot of people um, hit these moments of you know fearful experiences in life and forget what they know because mm-hmm. the fear makes you forget it will it will numb your mind you know and keep you from being able to take action you literally get frozen with fear that's why we have that that term you know that that uh, phrase you're 
frozen with fear because that's what it does it freezes you it has a chemical reaction in your body that freezes you and you can't think right so for me i had to really pray i had to really meditate i had to do all the things that i know work for me to get you know uh to get beyond being frozen by anything so that i could think straight and make choices for myself that i knew i was going to be happy with Mm -hmm. no matter what Mm -hmm. and when you think if if you could say one thing to, you know, any any woman that's listening to this episode, what would it be? Oh, so much. Get your mammogram, <laughs> first of all. And and if you and if you still are against mammograms, talk to your doctor about ultrasound because even you know, if something is found on your mammogram, they do an ultrasound to back that up. Ultrasound is a part of, you know, what you'll have to do anyhow, and there's no radiation involved. It's what we do with, you know, when we're pregnant, they do ultrasounds on the babies. Now, I didn't have a lot of ultrasounds when I was pregnant because I felt like there was an impact on the child of continuously interrupting their process. So I only mm-hmm. did two total, but they are less invasive, uh, especially when you're not pregnant, for just looking at your breasts and, and your tissues, right? So, But mammograms, unfortunately, with the radiation, they're not as great as they should be. And there are other countries that are doing things that are more advanced. Hopefully, we'll catch up soon. But for right now, it's the best option we have to get this comprehensive look at your breasts and what's going on um, so that you can get the help you want, whatever you choose to do, right, to deal mm-hmm. with something if it comes up. Mm-hmm. Um, I would also say really, really, really look into how you're eating and how it's affecting your body. I think we take for granted because bad food is so prevalent in our society. It's so much easier to get junk than it is to get, you know, a quality piece of fruit. But that's also a choice. Just because something is difficult doesn't make it impossible. It makes it more important for you to figure out how to do it. But that's just something to figure out. We've been figuring things out for 400 years Mm -hmm. here. Mm -hmm. So we can figure it out, but we have to we have to really get the information first and foremost. Information really is power in all things. If you know for a fact that eating all those potato chips is exposing you to acrylamide, which is a really dangerous carcinogen and a toxin that can that can uh, build up in your body and help create the environment in your body that creates something like a cancer, right? It's not one thing, it's many things, but toxins have a lot to do with it. And I've learned that myself from my own body with all the testing I've done again. Subsequently, I have high levels of acrylamide. That comes from potato chips and french fries predominantly. If you talk about large amounts and what's going to store in your body, because you're eating the whole potato. There's also acrylamide in some makeups, right? I've had to go completely non-toxic with my makeups, and I've always been non-toxic with my body care. I've really just used kind of plain oils. If I can't eat it, I don't put it on my skin. But with makeup, we kind of take for granted, oh, it's just a little makeup. And, And to a certain extent, that's true. So the amount of acrylamide that might be in a lipstick, let's say, like just something you buy off the shelf at a drugstore, Um, you put that on your lips and a little bit of it will seep through your lips into your bloodstream, right? Your skin is osmosis is the process. It's going to absorb things, go right to your bloodstream. It's the largest organ on our bodies, right? So a lot of things are absorbing through our skin, but the little bit of acrylamide that's going to absorb through your lips because of lipstick swipe pales in comparison to the entire extra large order of fries you just inhaled for lunch because potatoes have something called aspergine in them which is a, a, an amino acid it exists in a lot of foods but potatoes have it in high amounts and potatoes have a lot of sugar that combination with high heat over 120 degrees is my understanding high heat so when you're talking about frying something you're way over 120 degrees right right which is why french fries and potato chips have the highest amount of acrylamide in them i did not know that 
Yeah, aspergine turns to acrylamide when heated over 120 degrees in a sugar environment, which is why potatoes with the heat, with the frying, all creates this toxic soup that you then eat the entire bag. I was eating entire bags of chips. Let me just be honest. My diet is healthy as I say I am and, and believe myself to be because we really, if you eat a salad a week, you might think you're healthy, right? <laughs> but it's what it's what else you're eating that really determines. Exactly. I, was, I was emotional eating. I would have three or four donuts with this drama and stress that I was going through in other parts of my life two or three years ago. And I was not taking into consideration the impact that that level of sugar and that that level of toxins was having on my body because I really didn't understand it. Right, and I'm sitting over here like, I, I consider myself a healthy eater, but I love French fries. Oh my God. Like, I eat French fries. Yeah. I could eat them every day. If I was <laughs> eating them every day, girl, because they're everywhere. <laughs> So, exactly. I was doing French fry taste tests where I would get like three so, or four different So types now of fries. I'm sitting like, over here no, like, oh my no. goodness, I need to. Ridiculous. <laughs> and because 70 to 80% of our immune system is in our gut, what we eat in immediately impacts our immune system. That's mm -hmm. why we have, you know, allergies with food that maybe you don't have your throat closed up because of a peanut allergy, but you might have an upset stomach over, you know, cashews, which relatively we believe is a healthy food. But if your particular body has an, uh, an immune response to cashews, that's not going to sit well with you. So the other right. thing we have to do is really listen to our bodies. When our bodies are talking to us, usually it's doing it with an upset stomach or a rash or, a, you know, some kind of sign that tells us, no, 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 that doesn't work for me. Mm -hmm. So we have to figure out what the that is in the situation and stop doing it because our bodies are intelligent. Yes, they can heal, yes, but that doesn't mean we should continue to subject them to things that are damaging for them because over time, again, this tumor happened over time. All of these kind of illnesses we're talking about are over time that they develop. When you continue to do these things over and over and over again, they will build up on you. I had really high levels of acrylamide, really high levels of acrylamide. I got tested for a toxic panel massively hot like had to go on another alternative like uh chelation which pulls out toxins and heavy metals from your blood i'm on chelation three times a week to get the toxins out of my system because they they make your immune system overwork and make it react to something that you know for me right now in and trying to get cancer out of my body i need my immune system to be totally focused on that and anything else that's taking its attention, like toxins that it might have to do with. I had two parasites in my body. I had no idea. They'd been there for probably 20 years. But but taking uh, attention away for my immune system that needed to be on the cancer fight, right? So all of these different levels of it are why I'm saying you have to do your research. You have to understand your body. Mm -hmm. We have every bit of information we could ever want at the tips of our fingers right now. We're living in the most advanced time in, in terms of information accessibility right. in the history of civilization. That's true. So there's no reason except for how you're using your time and what your priorities are for you not to be accessing it, right? For me, this forced my priority to be figured out, get it together, focus on your health, right? Mm -hmm. But you don't have to let it get that far. You can right now say, let me go figure out, let me go look at my diet, write down every single thing you eat for a week. And if they, don't change anything, just write down what you're eating. Eat however you want, just write it down. Make sure you write down how much you had, kind of estimate it, you know, a handful of French fries or a handful of salad, whatever it is, write it down. And then at the end of the week, go back and look at it and really get an assessment 
of what you of put what in you're your body putting in your week. body yeah right and then you can go to each one of those things look at the ingredients and look up the ingredients and see what you actually put in your body you'd be amazed at the ingredients on some of these packages of things that say all natural you'd be really shocked if you can't pronounce it it probably doesn't belong in your system wow oh it's so much I, there's so much it's just yeah it's so much <laughs> It's so much, much. but I can't thank you enough um, for sharing your journey and just sharing all of this information. I appreciate it. I'm sure that the listeners appreciate it. And I just say thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Janae. This was a lot of fun. And uh, I hope the next time we talk to me telling you I'm cancer free. (laughs) Yes, I'm definitely going to follow up with you. Yes, indeed. Thank you. Keep doing a great job on your podcast. I hear you have a lot of fun and, um, you know, I'd love to see us out there doing our thing. So keep at it. Will do. Thank you again. And thank you to all of the listeners who tuned in to this very special episode. I hope we were able to answer some of your questions. Calm your nerves if you're about to get a mammogram for the first time. And um Share this. Share this information, this episode with your mom, your aunts, your sisters, your friends, your cousins, even your children. Spread the word. The more we know, the better we will be. The information is at our hands, you know, right at our fingertips nowadays. And if I can do anything to help this information get out there, I will gladly do it every day, all day. (laughs) That's it. Um... I promise the next episode won't take as long. <laughs> Don't forget to follow us on social media, Instagram, just another black BLK girl on the MIC. You can find me at Janae Renee until the next time. Be safe, be happy and be well and get your mammograms.